0: This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.
1: It's now time for local poetry and discussion on Beyond Rhyme.
2: Welcome to be on Rhyme everyone, I hope you can sit back with a coffee and or a cup of tea or even something a bit more naughty than that and this is the poetry show where we get guests on once a month and this evening we introduce Rod.
1: Hello, how are you?
2: Yes and um, we just find out more about, about the guests and share poetry amongst us and welcome back to Camilla who's our co-host. Hello. How's Camilla today?
3: Good, feeling very good. November, now show for
2: November. Yes, and this shows a wee way, but I I did feel the cold of the cold snap we had in Christchurch and encourage you to get a double vaccine for your COVID-19. It's part of the process that will safeguard a big spread of COVID and keep us out of hospital, so I encourage you to do that. And I'd like to acknowledge... Scorpio Books for their support of our show. Scorpio Books is in Hereford Street, 120 Hereford Street, and they have all sorts of books, from children's books to adult and geographical books, and they're just an amazing store that you want to go in and have a browse or buy a book for for you to go home and sit down and read. So, Rod, tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into writing.
1: Well, I, I'm very unusual where I started writing or well, creating poetry way before I could read and write. Um, I taught myself how to read and write as an adult, um, not knowing how to read and write when I left school. Uh, but the poetry side of things, um, I sort of created my own style of that Um, First, um, I was inspired as a child by uh, Dr. Seuss. Yes. Um, Yes. And uh, I loved hearing the rhymes and and things and uh, looking at the box. And I think that that sort of got me interested in it. And then um, later on, I discovered the value of poetry through, uh, you know, needing to sort of – get myself sorted out from my own condition, which is uh, Autistic Spectrum Disorder, um, I found it a, a very useful tool for being able to learn to express um, myself and things which you have a lot of difficulty with with, with that when you're young. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, later on... Um, uh, I started writing poetry um, late in my teens. My family, um, at that stage, were converted to Christianity. Um, I started to write a bit of poetry after I had um, listened to well, not writing, creating. There's um, uh, what I created back at those in those times. I um, just remembered this by. Uh, symbols and um, writing arrows and things next to letters uh, so that I could remember the sounds of the letters and things, and I threw that into a box, and it was actually quite a few years later I met a lady who um, had a business as a secretary um, for hire, and um, she, um, while I dictated them to her. She typed them out for me. Wow. Um and then um later on uh years later when I had my own children um and I had uh kids on the autistic spectrum as well, I founded a trust. Um this is going right back nineteen ninety eight, uh and that became fully registered in two thousand. Um and then I uh, I introduced um about ASD to quite a number of schools. Uh schools weren't really aware of it very much back then. And uh
3: sorry, you introduced ASD? Yes. What ASD stands
1: for? Uh Autistic Spectrum Disorder. Oh, sorry. Yeah. sorry. Uh Tony Atwood, who's quite very famous, um uh he, he put out a book um called Asperger's syndrome in nineteen ninety seven. And so the first year I was working and raising money and buying books and donating them to schools and wow. um, going in and, and um, talking to school teachers and, and people like that. And then uh, we formed the trust. I went um, as a teacher aide and uh, later became a student advocate as well. Mm-hmm. And I did that for 15 years. But I wrote poetry, um, such as one of the poems that I've got here, Um as a tool um, talk about ASD to uh, parents and uh, teachers and so forth. Wow. Um, and then there's the humorous side. Um, there's still that love of Dr. Seuss that I had. So,
2: Speaking of Dr. Seuss, is that um, I do not like green eggs and ham? Yes. I do not like them, Sam, I am. I do not I do not like them in a box. I do not like them with a fox. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam, I am. Yes, yeah, certainly is.
1: Um, and you'd find sort of an uncanny type of humour with my humorous poems that I've written um, here. I, I love Dr. Seuss.
3: So I've got a couple of questions. Who introduced you to Dr. Seuss? Who used to read it to you? Because you said that you didn't read at I, the time.
1: I uh, heard it from school teachers, nice. um, from you know, family and yeah. so forth. Um, and you know, I, I always, I always recognised the Dr. Seuss book when mm-hmm. I saw one. Oh. Mm-hmm.
3: The illustrations, <laughs> quite, you know, they have that kind of a same, same type of illustration, and the colours are very vibrant as well.
1: Yes, well, the Dr. Seuss was very popular back mm-hmm. back in those yes. days. Uh, mm-hmm. The other thing is what was popular was Eda Blyton. Um, oh yes. Books. Uh, Peter Rabbit in that. And uh, I suffered for two and a half years from uh, post-traumatic stress disorder as a child um, from Peter Rabbit because Goodness. of the um, absolute terror of seeing animals wearing human clothes. So, um, we're very literal um, <laughs> wow. with ASD. And um, yes, um wow. I virtually uh, became almost nonverbal at school because it was um, – a, a that was where I actually got the, the fear uh, from.
3: So, did the teachers in in your family members? Did they understand what was causing you the no to no, be upset? No one picked up.
1: Nobody. A doctor wow. couldn't work out what it was. In fact, actually, I was. Um, they they called me retarded.
4: Oh. Um, back oh in those gosh.
1: days, and it was an uncanny thing that happened with a, a school teacher, a primary school teacher. Mm. I was very fortunate that I got a very kind lady um that took me one year and uh she used to bob down at my desk every morning and give me a big smile and say good morning to me and she did that every single morning
4: mm.
1: and in the end when I was having the the nightmares, I had terrible nightmares um she came into the nightmare and actually um sorted out the um the, the trouble and after that i I had no more trouble. What
3: do you mean by she came into the nightmare?
1: Well, I was terrified of these, these animals and yeah, and yeah. clothes and everything, and um, she actually um, stood up for me um, against another teacher.
3: Oh, um, okay. And
1: after doing that, she came to the rescue in in the nightmares,
3: <gasps>
1: completely cured me. That of, um. is
3: amazing.
1: <laughs> so um, that's amazing. The thing is, you know, I like to, you know, put the message out to school teachers. You know, kindness itself. Uh, you know, you can educate people, but you know, kindness to students is a life-changing um, really, thing. So you know,
3: seeing students, like actually not just looking but actually seeing and perceiving the yes. students for their yeah wow
1: yeah so
2: so you have a um a piece of writing that explains part yeah. of your journey.
1: Yes, um, and this is actually something that um, a lot of parents aren't even aware of. I'd like a lot of parents to know about this poem. Um, It's called Categories, and it's actually numbered. Um, Each of the lines are numbered, and it has an arrow going down the side. And um, what that represents, the numbers, um, if I read the poem... Let's look at some children in education today. One group, high achievers, and have made their own way. And then there's the average, but pass even so, still needing no help, but have something to show. And then there are others who struggle to read, but with a little intervention, these kids will succeed. But then there are those who don't get it right, but these children can also be extremely bright, intelligent in a much different way, but live with the stigma of dumb every day. And then there are those who need constant support. Each and every one of these above categories are ASD children. So ASD children can fit into the same categories as neurotypical children. Mm -hmm. But the reason um, I wanted to mention about the numbers is that um, the the first line, one group high achievers, and have made their own way, it starts on line three, and line one and two are blank. Uh, Line two represents those who didn't need to be uh, identified as children, but have a curiosity as adults of, you know, why am I different? And so they go and search for a diagnosis. And of course, you have the number one people that have ASD and they never need any intervention and they don't care. They they live very successful lives. They're very happily married people.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: But the ones that you hear about uh, are the ones that are generally the ones that need constant support. But the problem is the very gifted ones you know at the very top um if they they can trip be tripped over by something incredibly simple uh they um if that very tactile defensive which is common with um a s d uh they could be repulsed by a pencil, and when they have that repulsion they can put out the same type of behaviours and characteristics as children at a very, at the very bottom of the um, um, the poem. I see. So you can't tell them apart. Mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. So all
1: you do, and I've done this several times when I was working in the schools, you change that pencil to a pen of, mm-hmm. of a type. Um, yeah. I used to change them to pilot pens.
2: Yeah.
1: Blue and red, but never black. You never give an ASD child a black pen. Um. It's
2: fascinating. We, we're we going to hear some music now. and We'll come back to this amazing poem called Categories and you can tell us some more about it. I love the way it's structured and what it means. I I used to get thrown out of class when I was at primary school and I always wondered why. It was probably because I was cheeky, but I think um, it starts like that can be quite tough here to the education system. So we're going to hear some music now, Camilla.
3: Yes, we're going to listen to Drive by R.E.M.
2: And Michael Stipe's an artist as well. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, and he's just coming back with a new album recently, I think. Oh, yeah. Yes, so take it away, Michael Stipe. We'll be back soon. From uh, Automatic for the People, it's called Drive. <laughs>
5: And roll. Nobody tells you where to go, baby. What if I ride? What if you walk? What if you rocked around the clock? Tip, talk, tip, talk. What if you did? What if you walked? What if you try to get
4: off the baby? Hey kids, where
5: are you? Nobody tells you what to do, baby
4: Hey kids, shake a leg
5: Maybe you're crazy in the head, baby Maybe you did, maybe you walked Maybe you rocked around the clock Tip, talk, tip, talk Maybe I ride, maybe you walk Maybe I try I hate it, can shake a leg. Maybe you're crazy in the head, baby. But Molly... Where are you? Nobody tells you what to do, baby Hey, oh
4: whoops Another one to your back, baby Hey kids, rock and roll Nobody
5: tells you where to go, baby Maybe you did, maybe you walked Maybe you rocked around the clock Tip, talk Tip, talk Maybe I ride Maybe you walk Maybe I try to get off
4: For baby Hey kids, where are you?
5: And nobody tells you what to do Baby
4: Hey kids, rock and roll Nobody
5: tells you where to go,
4: baby, oh baby, oh baby,
2: oh baby. Welcome back to Beyond Rhyme, I hope you're enjoying yourself. This is a Partridge show where we get guests on once a month and tonight we've got Rod, with some very special talents and skills in what he does with his writing. So we were listening to the poem categories and where we left off was about having a black pen instead of a pencil. So tell us about that. um, Never
3: ever giving a black pen mm. to a child on the spectrum.
1: Yes. Um, Well, what that is, is that um, in the back of the eyes and in the brain, you have a, a filtering system that filters out a certain amount of information that you take in, especially uh, receptors in the back of the eyes. Uh, And there's certain colours on the um, colour spectrum that uh, the brain, for some reason with an an autistic child, may not filter, uh, you know, those particular colours or whatever. And what happens is that um, it overloads the brain when you get um, certain things happen. And... uh, well one um example you might see of uh treatment of of a child like this is with what they call Erlin syndrome where they wear the um might be like coffee colored glasses or purple glasses or something that um are filters to um on top of each other to stop certain light from coming in and um overloading the brain wow and so um i've i have been diagnosed with the Irland syndrome, but um I, I've learned over the years to be able to um manage with it, but um when I look at the, the black writing I see the, the white trails between the words more than I see the black writing
3: oh,
4: wow.
1: and things. And that's one way that um vision gets distorted.
3: I'm that. thinking I'm thinking of those pictures by Asher. You know the yes, the, the, the like the the desolations yes yeah. so Rod would not yes. pay any attention to the blackness. Yes.
2: <laughs> so when it comes well, to writing something like that, it, it, how much of a challenge is it for you to get the words on paper in order and making so much sense as you do with the rhyme and here in this context?
1: Generally, what it is is that um, first of all, you know, I I get an idea. At, uh, or, you know, I pick up on something and immediately I want to get it down on paper. Um, mm. I'm one of these people that just every now and then I'll take a note down of something and, you know, that I can sort of go back and ponder on or whatever. Um, and then what I what the, the next thing I try and do is that instead of just writing something out, I write it. How can I write it so that I can actually use it also to pass that knowledge on to, to somebody else? Wow. And um, so this is sort of the, the style that I've, I've written, the, the poetry. But just to give you one example, um, I swapped a pencil and a pilot pen with an eight-year-old boy who um, he had basically done nothing um, much at school at all back to when he was five years old. He just, whenever the teacher got them to do any work, he went under the desks and they just gave up on him. Um, I recognized the characteristics that he had because I was very similar. Um and so I swapped the pencil for a pilot pen. Well, within that same year he'd caught up to the whole, to the oh. class the, the, the deputy principal said it was the biggest turnaround Jump. she'd seen in a in a student in her yeah. whole teaching Aww. career. Jesus. I did that example as well with another student, um it was, she was a young girl. Um, she w- had a splinter interest in music, so what we did is that we had, we um, went for the music side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, next thing you know, not only did education come right for her, but she was singing at weddings and um,
3: oh.
1: and oh. various things as well. Like, oh, I
3: love this story.
1: I should make the <laughs> song available because she does does say that you know people are welcome. We could we I've got a copy of the actual song that oh, yeah. changed changed her you know, mm-hmm. turned her life around.
2: They're wonderful mm-hmm. stories to hear, uh really enlightening and never give up hope. Mm. No,
1: no, definitely not. And be be aware with ASD, if you have an ASD child that's not uh doing at all well in school, be aware that it might be something very simple that might be holding them back. Mm. You know, um keep an open mind.
2: Do you have oh. another piece for us? Another A, another, another poem, poem to
1: share. Yeah. Yes. Um, actually, this one, um, I'll share this one. I fear nothing more than a noise I have heard. This noise is not human or made of a word. An autism sound which never goes away, I hear it all times, just day after day. It's a noise that I hear especially loud, when in a small group or in a large crowd. The noise is a silence while I try to pretend, understanding what's normal. I can't comprehend. I belong to a world of many people I see, but it's somehow a place where there's no one but me. Um, and that poem was written about me when I was seven years of age. Jesus. But, uh, uh, yeah, um, going out of the classroom and looking at, at the school children, and that's a description. It's, a, it's not a loneliness, it's, it's a, a complete um, disconnection
2: you know, from people. It's
3: And can you read the title for us, maybe? It's called
1: The Sound of Autism.
2: So did as a result did you spend a lot of time alone or you were quite happy to social with people?
1: I preferred my own company. I uh, um but I fortunately I had the sort of the background um where we came out I was brought up in a very rural area and to see a stranger out there was a a big thing mm-hmm. and it was always made a big thing of. So, you know, I when I got to the the school age, you know, I just accept people when they were around. Um I I found with other members of my family though they reacted differently. Um, you know, they'd melt down if they were anywhere near people, but I I sort of I was okay.
2: Did it affect yeah. your level of self worth or your belief in yourself quite a bit? Oh definitely.
1: Um you've got the the problem is when you have difficulties like this. You have the the well-intended, um, you know, people that like to whisper in your ear to give you advice, and people got no idea how many uh, well wishes there are <laughs> that come and do that. Yes. So you know, yeah. just about everything you do, somebody's got a a recommendation or something like that, and um, that can affect your self-esteem quite a bit.
4: Mm.
2: So. This is a fascinating story. We're going that to come is, back to this. Um, is, if you just be with us, we've got some more music from Camilla.
3: Oh yeah, I wish I wish it was for me, but this one is from Melanie Morissette in her unplugged album, which I love, and it's called King of Pain, which is from The Police.
2: Take it away. We'll be back soon. Just to make a difference, I'll say welcome, welcome back to Beyond Rhyme, <laughs> two welcomes instead of instead of just one. I hope that makes it better for you out there. Uh, we're with Rod, who's a fascinating man, and he's written poetry from a different aspect of life than what the majority of us are used to. So it's just That's fascinating. Such,
3: it's a privilege. It's a it's privilege. Such yeah, a privilege to to have you here tonight. Mm. That's thank
2: you. Yeah. You have another piece for us. Yes, just one thing.
1: Uh, I want to demonstrate here with these is that these were poems that I created before I could read and write.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the things that people think around children at school is that just because they don't seem to be academic, that they're not creative. And I, uh, these it's probably are probably
3: the, the opposite. Sorry, It's probably the opposite, you know. It is.
1: Well, these are religious poems, Mm -hmm. but these were ones that I wrote, uh, that not written, uh, created before I taught myself to read and write as an adult. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: Uh, This one's called The Eagle and the Dove. Holy God, make me like an eagle, broad and strong, that through the air, without a fear, will gently soar along. As the wind of life grows strong, keep me up to form so I can spread those mighty wings and fly above the storm. Holy God, make me like the beauty of the dove, the symbol of your Holy Ghost, the bearer of your love. O like the dove, shine on me his colour, oh so white. Please make me like the dove, O oh Lord, the symbol of your light. Holy God, make me like the eagle and the dove, and in your strength I'll show this world there is a God of love, who wants to dry up all their tears and heal them of their pain, so we can all rejoice in praise when Jesus comes again. Uh, This was the one that I wrote, or did you want just the one, or? Go for it.
2: This was the one that
1: I wrote directly after that one. Um, The Trinity of God can be likened to fire, which burns really clean, its warmth our desire. Oxygen, heat, and fuel is the flame, three working together, but are called by one name. To have this warm fire, you must have the three, take any away, no fire will be. The fire will help you to see in the night. Keep lions away, for he fears at the side. The fire I mentioned is God from above. Let him burn strong inside you with the warmth of his love. But heed now this warning. Not all fires are good. Some seem to be harmless, but misunderstood. It works hard to trap you. Its heat seeks to harm. It wants you to panic and not remain calm. It tries to convince you the dangers of heat. When the smoke's a real problem, it's full of deceit. <laughs> Stay by the fire with the flame that burns clean. Beware of the fires that with smoke can't be seen.
2: Ah, yes, great imagery. That's what we call imagery. I think um Ah, the the first poem, that, that the winds of life come up behind us or something like that you said it was about As the winds of life wind of life grows strong. Is yes, yes. We have to be we have to adapt to it, don't we? Yes. We have to change and adjust all the time. Yes.
3: And how was the process of putting um that on a paper since you said that you couldn't read or write then so
1: well what i you... what i did i I did put it on paper but yeah. i in those days I used symbols and things i had,
3: what uh, kind of symbols like pictures or like um letters or how, what kind of symbols
1: well, if you look at like text messaging you yes. know with text you used to put symbols and things. Um, like I'm imagining
3: instance, something like Egyptian hieroglyphs. <laughs> that <kind> type of <laughs>
1: thing. Um, it could be like the I could write a letter A, but I had to, like if I put a flat line under it, it was an A ah sound because it was flat. Yes. Or if I put an arrow pointing up, it was an A ah sound because it was up. And... Um, and I had other symbols, arrows, and different things that told me, you know, probably it's funny because the the process that I came up with was probably more complicated than.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and whoever whoever managed to translate that,
1: yeah, who so, did it?
3: Who translated it? Um,
1: in the end, I, I um, the secretary, uh, that I dictated the poems to, um. My, did my poems, but as I learned to read and write, I
3: oh you managed yourself. I managed to um,
1: gotcha. unravel
2: everything. Mm-hmm. So, at what age were you when somebody entered your life that understood where you were coming from, your perspective on life, and things like that? That was actually
1: what really triggered the change um, in me at that time. I was, uh, I managed to, to get into the, a local fire brigade, but I was a mascot. Not a, a they they never intended for me to get into the service as a as a fireman um but i had uh, the the fire chief um his name was jim car bennett uh he was fascinated by my story because i had been involved uh in what i believed to be uh i, I was a scientist in my own eyes and um the fire brigade and the, the police were involved in a few of those experiments. <laughs> um, we're right. They made me into a um, an honorary uh, forensic scientist, and they gave me experiments to do. How so old oh, were own. you then? I was only seven or eight oh. at that time. And uh, I remember, you know, looking and thinking, well, what? What does baking soda and vinegar got to do with, um, you know, <laughs> working out dead bodies and things? But they, they told me I was a forensic scientist. So oh my gosh. He was fascinated by that side of me and he became like a grandfather to me and, um, and mentored me. And he, his real desire for me was to learn how to read and write. And, um, one day, um, we were called out to a, Drink drive accident, and um, he was the one that got hit, and uh, he died not long after <sighs> that. And um, yes, unfortunately, as a as a firefighter, I, um, I I went to three different instances where I had a friend killed. Um, but the thing is, uh, I couldn't deal with his death at the time, and then somebody said, "Well, you know, if you can't deal with him dead, then." Keep him alive, be his legacy, and it was actually from that that I, um, I, I taught myself to read and write. So hmm. his death wasn't in vain. It was, um, you know, but I stayed loyal to him and and um, and honoured that um, him as a friend by by
2: learning to read and write. You need an honorary degree to reflect what you've been through and how you've adapted to the challenges that you it just gets better Yes,
1: well the thing is is that um I I have learned through life that life uh, will teach you you know um you can take something out of any experience good or bad and do good with it mm-hmm. and um that is um you Know that that's sort of what I've been about trying to become something better than what I was before, and that's what he wanted too. So
3: I think he would be extremely proud of you. He will be,
2: yeah. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> have so, you, yeah, you go, Alan.
2: Oh, just wondering if you have another piece for us. Before and I we... was
3: going to ask, have you got any piece like specifically related to him, you know, or to one of those mentors, one of the, those people that helped you?
1: If anything, I, I haven't, but um, I have got one here that I've written. It's just a short one um, about, you know, how people can affect your self-esteem. Yes. Um, the spoken word is crafty. The spoken word is strong. The spoken word can pick you up or grieve you all life long. If love is in your speaking, it will make the people grow. If said in spite, they may lose sight and growth may not be so. Let us think before we speak, and lay bad things aside, and make it spoken out of love, and not our wounded pride.
2: Yes. So, how old were you when you wrote that? Um, I was a teenager. God, the the life experience, the the wisdom of it,
3: the wisdom. At, at that
2: age, it's just f- fantastic.
3: It is. It is so. Everything is so wise, and like it's you were would, having experiences as a seven year old that most people would never. You know, and will never be able to apprehend with the, the um details that you had.
2: Would you like to read that again?
1: Yes, please. yes certainly. Yeah. The spoken word is crafty, the spoken word is strong. The spoken word can pick you up or grieve you all life long. If love is in your speaking it will make the people grow. If said in spite they may lose sight and growth may not be so. Mm. Wow. Let us think before we speak and lay bad things aside, and make it spoken out of love and not our wounded pride.
3: Let us think before we speak. I think we're gonna wrap this block up with that one and we're gonna go to some music. Since it's November and it's my birthday month, my selection is very special. All those songs are very special to me, and this one is by Oasis Hey, Hey, My, mind
2: We'll be back soon. Thank you very much.
4: This is a song by Neil Young. I know, look, you know, I wasn't born either, but neither were you. This
5: is called uh, Hey Hey Mine Mine. <laughs>
2: Hi there, my name's Ellen and we're with Camilla, a co-host, and Rod, a fantastic, insightful poet. So you have some light-hearted ones now to share with us. Yes. Um, sorry In to... a little
3: bit, yeah, if you could share a little bit about your journey into learning to read and write or, or mastering the reading and writing process
1: well um discovering that i I could read and write um yeah. i couldn't learn the conventional way um i to too short to memory uh I actually accidentally stumbled across it um as a way of dealing with um stress and anxiety, but only when my parents went home mm-hmm. um excuse me i um I danced to music
3: you danced
1: danced to music, and it was just um my mother had um you know. She was part of the the local church, and she had a home group at her place, and they had these books that were, you know, their song books, and um, we had a record with the the same looking cover on it, and so I I put that on, and I was looking at the book to see whether it was actually the same, and I, I thought I I thought the music was actually quite rocky, you know, sort of real Pentecostal stuff. As I was to that, and I was looking at the words, and then afterwards, when I went back, I remembered the words when I looked in the book, and I thought, well, "How on earth did I do that?" Um, <laughs> and basically, what it, how it ended up, I was lying on my bed, and I remembered that you know the scientist when I was a kid, um, identity that I had, and um, I reclaimed it, and I started. Um, trying to discover how I could learn to read, and um, that, that's how I started off.
3: Oh, my gosh. So you were associating, like, the, each word that you could hear on a song to the thing written on the paper. I seem to yeah. remember
1: better when I was doing things kinesthetically rather yes. than just, um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of the methods that I used um, to teach myself how to read later on in the trust I was able to use with other kids that couldn't read as well. And it worked quite well on them, so um but there there was that um yeah i always I always love humor um and uh you know as I say I, I love the dr Seuss mm-hmm. um type of stuff, so I've sort of written that sort of style of things not not always politically correct, but um
3: you have poetic licences, licenses yes. so. You don't need to worry about it. Okay, go for
1: it. Um, this one is called "Don't Tell Mr. Greeny," and what it was, <laughs> I tried to join a poetry website, and they rejected my poetry. Oh. They said that this, you know, poetry is an art form, and I. So anyway, I argued that with them, and uh, there was one particular guy that was criticising my writing, and mm. he loved writing about the environment and things like that. So I wrote this one to take the mickey <laughs> from him, basically. Um called Don't Tell Mr Greeny I indeed in awe this inspiring tree, standing tall as tall can be, roots that grip like beastly claw upon the littered forest floor, branches reaching, reaching out like muscular arms all about. Leafs so green and bark so brown, let's grab an axe and cut it down. Ooh. This inspiring tree now upon the ground, just lying there and quite profound. Again in awe-inspired, I pause, this endangered tree died for a cause. I send it off to an astonishing mill, with a buzz, a burr, oh what a thrill, it exits, exits out, and it's now a pole, we lower this wonder into a hole. A cross arm is added quite near to the top, I'm admiring my work as I gasp when I stop, with different things added to different kinds, it's time to at- attach the power lines. Years have gone by, underground cabling came in. The power pole's now scarce, which is a terrible sin. Awe-inspiring trees, as far as the eyes can see, are standing tall, where the power pole should be. If God wanted trees, he wouldn't have given us poles. Or otherwise, what would we have to put in those holes? I indeed in awe of this inspiring tree, standing tall as tall can be, leaves so green and bark so brown, let's grab an axe and cut it down. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, I don't mean that literally. I was just taking oh, the mickey. Thank making. God
3: for that. <laughs> thank God for that. We thought you we thought you did.
1: No, no. Um, I was yeah. uh, I was having him on because yeah. he was com- uh, commenting about my poetry. But
3: that's a, but this is the beauty of of being able to you crafted. You know, you had that feeling. You managed to transform that into beautiful rhyming, to lovely stanzas. There, that is making us laugh. So you know,
1: that's right. That, that was a fun one. That one. Yes. I, I enjoyed writing that one.
2: This is uh, where I get told off if I wasn't listening properly, but is it cyclical? So the tree, once one tree turns into a post, there's another tree growing.
1: Uh, yeah, what, what it was, um, part of this actually, What um, the funny thing is, is that I was obsessed with power poles. Uh is what? I knew exactly how many power pole transformers there were between my place and, um, you know, the, the nearest town and all that sort of thing. And I also was a uh, collected nuts and bolts and bottle tops. And um so, you know, I sort of um part of my humour is my, my love for power poles is with, you know, I love the, the um power lines parallel and and things like that. That's that's A S D. That's mm, autism mm. for you. Mm. Wow. Um so yeah, um that I think that was probably part of that as well.
3: That is so cool.
2: And to write something like that, does it come out all, all at once, or you have to craft it over time, or it just comes from your own imagination straight away?
1: Um, generally, I think with most most things, because I'm you know, my especially my grammar's not perfect. I've got, got to go over some things. I have the general idea, but I, I have to go over some things a few times to get it exactly right. Get the right exactly the right word in there.
3: And do you feel comfortable sharing your work with other people with close people like friends or family?
1: Oh, absolutely because I yeah. feel that when I do, you know, I'm I'm actually proving the point that you know um that there's no such thing as a um a student with no future. Mm-hmm. Um I you know, they they might not um seem all that bright to, to to some people or whatever, but you know, you can't write them off. Nobody's qualified to say uh, that they will fail in life because you know they they see this um, aspect of a person, and so you know uh, part of what I I do this way um, is for those people that are in the same situation as I was as a child to get confidence and go forward in their life and and um, you know overcome these these types of um,
3: challenges. challenges. Yeah, I think what you have done with your life story and um, with your poetry was to reveal the layers of humanity that are, you know, in all those people that sometimes are not seen properly. And thank you so much. You're welcome. For being here tonight. It's been amazing.
2: It has. It's really insightful. amazing.
3: I was emotional. I was very emotional when you were reading one of your poems. And, yeah, I would like for you to... If you're comfortable with we can post some of those in our Instagram page because yeah, I think they're fascinating.
2: More and, welcome. Yeah. Do you plan to write in the future? Uh yes. Keep writing. Yes.
1: Um <laughs> in fact actually uh my, my I had a recent one I didn't um read it today, but it was um taking the mickey out of that KFC Ooh. um news article recently. You know, with the um they got up at three am to get um, Kentucky Fried Chicken and stuff. So you know, <laughs> I, I I I think it'd probably be mainly sort of humour stuff that I um, that I would be writing. Um, I write a lot of quotation type stuff.
2: Well, it's been an absolute pleasure yeah. to find out about your journey yep. okay. from young yeah. to your current day, and also listen to your very well put together. Poetry.
3: Yeah, and I okay. think you have to come back to the show. You have to come back. We mm. definitely need to have you here again. Yes, and, oh,
2: thank
3: you. Yeah, and I think this is Beyond Rhyme for November.
2: That's right, it yeah. is. Yeah,
3: Yeah. thank you so much for everybody listening. Have we home. got a
2: song to go out with?
3: We do, yeah. We have Little Wing, which is by Jimi Hendrix, performed by The Cause.
2: Jimi Hendrix?
3: Yeah, I know, but with The Cause.
2: No, that's fantastic. Mm. I used to listen to Jimi Hendrix.
3: Yeah. You might like this version. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody.
2: See you next time. Bye. Bye.
5: Minds that's running wild, butterflies and zebras and moonbeams and fairy tales. All she ever thinks about is riding with the wind. With its thousand smiles she gives to me mind this run why her butterflies and zebras and movies and fairy tales all she ever thinks about is riding